This is the Hartford Online Radio Network. 21st Century Audio. Delivered. On thehorn.com. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back for another great week of On the Horn, the interactive news talk show discussing the news of the past week. My name is Brian Parker. I am joined in studio by Carl Bloom. Greetings, sir. Hello. We are also going to hear from uh, Eric Blasman Blazinski in just a moment or two. But uh, I thought we would do something kind of fun, actually, Ooh. this week. I need to open up my iPad Pro because I had just closed it and I didn't open it again. But I thought I'd give you a quiz of the news of the last week Uh-oh. and see how you do. <laughs> Let me see. Where can I put this? Over here. So are you ready? Uh, shoot. All right. Click bang. Let's see here. Let's do this. I'll do this if you get it right. I'll do that Wait, one more time. Let me get this. Uh, okay. We're well organized here. This if you get it right. This if you get it wrong. Okay. All right. Easy enough. All right. At least 84 people were killed and 200 injured when a man deliberately drove a truck through crowds of people celebrating Bastille Day in this French city. Was it Nice? Correct. In an attempted coup d'etat in this country, thousands of citizens took to the streets to try to take over the leader, but were then killed by the government. That was Turkey. Oh, very good. I wasn't <laughs> sure if you get that one. The Republican National Convention took place last week under heavy scrutiny in the city of... Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, the easy one. Cleveland? Yes, oh, okay. very good. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you're going to get that. Uh, like you're a little nervous there. Donald Trump chose Mike Pence, a conservative governor from this state, as his running mate. Indiana. Correct. Oh, you're, you're killing it, man. <laughs> a conservative leader, this conservative leader, became the prime minister of the United Kingdom last week, making her only the second woman to hold this post. Uh, first name, Teresa? Yes. May. Wow. <laughs> nice work. Osmosis. <laughs> Boris Johnson, the controversial former mayor of London, was named blank minister of the United Kingdom. Uh, what kind of minister is he? He's a pompous minister. He's a sure. pompous minister. That is, uh, you get half credit yeah. for that answer. Is he? Uh, <laughs> oh, geez. Let's see. Blank minister. See. Finance? No. no. Uh, exchequer. Uh, I give up. Is he the justice minister? The exiting the European Union minister? <laughs> the defense minister? Ooh. Or the foreign minister? Could he be the foreign minister? Oh, yes, wow. All right. You know, you can get a full credit for that, but you did okay. Uh, three police officers were killed and three were wounded after responding to reports of a man carrying a rifle in this city in the United States. Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge is correct. This singer tops Forbes' annual list of the highest paid celebrities. Ooh. Is it Madonna, Rihanna, Taylor Swift, or Adele? I'm going to guess Adele. That is a really good guess, and it's wrong. The Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. Ah, that was my second choice. But I do like, I like Taylor Swift, You know, but I really like Adele. Girl's got some pipes. She sure does. Is what it is. Uh, Henrik Stenson became the first golfer from this country to win a major golf tournament with his victory in the British Open. 
Where is he from? What's his last name again? Stenson. S-T-E-N-S-O-N. Henrik. Is he German? You can tweet Carl Bloom at Yesbjorn McGee if you're interested. <laughs> because the Oh, is he from Sweden? He's from <laughs> Sweden. That's right. 28 classified pages from the Congressional Report on 9-11 focus on the role that this country may have played in the attacks last week. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is right. Well, you did very well. I think you, you got you got I, at least at least high seventies, probably early eighties for that. I would think, yeah, yeah. I only missed a couple there. You needed a little prompting on some. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. All right. So last week we were talking about the uh, we were talking about PTSD and sub threshold PTSD, and this week we get to hear what Eric's thoughts about that were and he has some stories for us as well so let us go over and listen to blasman and his response hey guys just gonna respond to your story on ptsd sorry i've got a little cold so uh you know i sound a little different today but regarding the ptsd and the veterans that are coming back from these wars in iraq and afghanistan and wherever we might be syria i'm sure we've got guys uh, on the ground in Syria, experiencing traumatic things. You know, when these things happen, these people need, these veterans need counseling, you know. And there's several things that people can do. And I remember uh, when I used to do hypnosis, there was this thing called uh, emotional freedom technique that worked very, very well for people with post-traumatic stress disorder. So maybe they should start investigating that a little bit. It's very quick, very inexpensive and could probably help these guys out a lot. But anyway, so if you're a veteran and you have PTSD, go and Google emotional freedom technique and go on YouTube and watch how this thing's done and try it. See what happens. But we need the VA. We need to spend money on these guys. I mean, you're right, Brian. When when we decide to go spend uh, $2 trillion engaged in war, we probably do need another trillion dollars to clean up after and the cleanup, a lot of this cleanup is going to be the people that were affected, uh, that were affected by these wars. You know, a topic that I wanted to bring up is, uh, this whole phenomenon of Pokemon go. So <laughs> if you don't know, Pokemon go is a game that you can put on your phone and it creates augmented reality. They were just pausing right there. Have you downloaded Pokemon? I go? have not, but I saw four people wandering around Collinsville Did last you? night with yes. Did you? <laughs> I have yet to see someone playing Pokemon Go in the wild. I do have it. I played, I think, the extreme like beginning level. Right. I think I only have two. And should I check? I, I actually don't really know how this thing works. So do Will you have like a me? radar that tells you like where they are? Or? You no, know, you just sort of walk around and you sort of suddenly bump into them. <laughs> And and that's about it. Okay. So I don't really know. I, apparently, I've leveled up because I'm a I'm a level two now, and there are no Pokemon's here in the studio. <laughs> but oh wait, oh my gosh, wait, there's a Pokemon right behind me. Oh no, that's just a ghost. No, he's right there. <laughs> oh heck, I don't know how to do. Did this. Did you run away? I just I can't deal with. It. I saw a news article. I meant to read it, but like, why there are so few Pokemon's in black neighborhoods? <laughs> That's horrible. Really want to Let's get back to Eric. Yeah. So what does that mean? It means that through your phone's camera, as you hold it up and point it at something, it will show you little Pokemon superimposed over the real image of th that's being uh, that's being transmitted through your camera. That is what they're calling augmented reality. 
So what happens is you um, you you go around places, walk around, or you know, it started out, I guess, at where you would go to very sort of famous places, I guess, and that's where still where a concentration of these little Pokemon that you have to find um, are, and also like the rarest ones. So, so my question to people who get rare ones is like, what happens when you get a rare Pokemon? Well, you just uh, you have a rare Pokemon, and you get to tell people that you now have this rare Pokemon. So I don't, I don't really understand how interesting that is. But um, <clears throat> so everybody's playing this, and there's a lot of people that are very critical. Well, so let me go back to telling the story of the Pokemon. So you walk around looking through your phone, and then when you see a Pokemon, you um, throw these little balls at it, and then you, I guess you capture it. So I tried to install this game, but uh, I, use, I use an app that reduces the blue light on my phone so it doesn't hurt my eyes as much. And uh, that app interfered, I guess, with the Pokemon game. And I wasn't even able to um, to use it at all. But anyway, you throw these little balls at him. And, and so... I, just to, to point out, I did get the Pokemon Eevee just now. I got 100 experience points, uh, 500 for a new Pokemon, and a great throw for 50 experience points. So I got a total of 650 wow. experience points. It, we're infested here, I tell you. We're infested. What, is it, what does it you, look like? It look. I don't know what to tell you it looks like. <laughs> it looks like a donkey with a bee head and uh, a fox tail. And uh, it's got a lot of bushy stuff like a dog. Okay. E-E-V-E-E. That's what I got. You can either pay for these balls by paying, I think, between uh, between like 10 or, I mean, 1 and $100. And you get a bunch of these Pokeballs that you then throw at the Pokemon. Otherwise, you have to do other things, invest time in the game in order to earn Pokeballs and uh, subsequently throw them at the Pokemon and then collect the Pokemon. So these aren't actual real things that you get to collect they're just little things that uh it's like a score that you get so there's a lot of people that are very critical of the game i personally don't care i mean if you want to play pokemon if this is how you choose to spend your time feel free i don't see the sense in uh deriding people very much for playing this game but uh i am interested though so you know i know some people that play the game and every time i see them i say hey how's it going with the pokemon you catching any pokemon and they never seem to answer me. They think I'm being facetious. But um, no, I'm actually curious. Like, are you catching any Pokemon? I wanted to, um, I wanted to get learned up on this, on this subject before I did this little segment. And uh, I don't know. Nobody seems to answer me. Maybe there's like a, a secret kind of uh, what, you know, similar to, um, oh, what was that movie? Um, Fight Club. Like what happens in Fight Club stays at Fight Club. Like maybe what happens in Pokemon stays in Pokemon. You can't really tell non-Pokemon players what's going on. So people have been uh, have been injured using this game. Uh, one girl was walking across the street, um, paying attention to her phone, and she got hit by a car. But one take on this, which I thought was particularly interesting, is uh, Vladimir Putin is uh, is banning the whole Pokemon Go. From all of Russia. And what he's saying is that the the CIA, the United States, is uh, pulling data from this game. So as you have your phone up, like say in your house, and you're moving it around looking for Pokemon, 
you're actually mapping out as you send these images back to um, back to the company that makes this that that uh, manages this game. I guess it's called. Um, well, I guess Nintendo owns it or something. It was created by Niantic and uh, and now Nintendo so somehow. I guess Nintendo owns the rights to um, to the actual to the name Pokemon. So so Niantic is taking this data. I don't know. I don't know anything about this company. Sharing it with the CIA, and I guess Niantic is actually somehow closely linked to the CIA. So the game's so I'm just reading from an article here. The game's creator Niantic is closely linked to the CIA. Niantic CEO John Hankey created Keyhole in 2001, ah. which was later bought by Google. So most of the money used to create Keyhole came from the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the CEO. So the guy who runs this company has very strong CIA ties, and this is why Vladimir Putin is not allowing this in his country. I find that very interesting. Very. And so I suppose it is possible. I mean, it's a little conspiratorial, but uh, you know, I suppose it's possible. I mean, you, you could map the inside of everyone's house, you know? And if someone's got, you know, some guns sitting on the table, they've got a little, uh, you know, bomb or something that they're preparing, they'll be able to see it or they'll see the historical images that were taken through Pokemon Go. Personally, I think that Pokemon Go is going to go as quickly as it came in. Uh, I don't think that this game is really that interesting. I just don't think that it's going to last. So I also thought Twitter wouldn't last, so we'll put that out there too. <laughs> so my next topic... Uh, you want to quickly talk about this? Pokemon Go. First of all, so... The guy who ran it, when he said also developed Keyhole, right. that's the satellite system. Right. Keyhole satellites, which was, you know, bought by, well, then Google, but it was really developed for the CIA. Right. So you might, Mr. Blazinski may have a point. Vladimir Putin may have a point there. But let me just clarify, <clears throat> as the resident Pokemon Go expert, <laughs> now now that I've played it three times in my life, you don't, you don't just, when you're playing the game, map your room. It gives you sort of a top down look like it's a google street view right sort of thing it's not it's not street view is the wrong way because it's just it's just blank buildings but it gives you that sort of look and then when you're actually battling the pokemon like you see a little avatar and you walk over to the avatar and at that moment you click on you you tap that avatar then your camera gets activated and you are basically it's a viewfinder you're looking at like you were taking a picture with your phone, but superimposed on that is a little Pokemon that, that's kind of hanging out. So he was hanging out right here oh, cool. on my briefcase next to me <laughs> when I got him. And you throw this little ball out. It's like uh, it's like the Ghostbuster traps. You know, you throw out the Ghostbuster right, right, trap. Right. and it, It's sort of like that. Huh. It's sort of like that. But you don't map your whole room unless you're actually in the battle there. Right. I imagine they just collecting these billions and billions of images in the hopes that they'll find something maybe of interest. Of, I guess. Maybe. I mean, I at some point, the pipeline is so big, the information pipeline is so big that what do you do with all that data? I don't know. But there's. Well, I mean, if you're looking, that's the thing. If you're inductive or, wait, is it deductive or inductive? Dirt. Dirt. <laughs> um, What's the rest of the if you're looking for, Well, if you're looking for something in particular, then it's a lot easier to disseminate that through 
those billions yeah, of images. Yeah, Google can do that. They yeah. can figure out, you know, if you take a picture of a of a dog, it can tell right. you what kind of breed of dog it is. Or or a person's face, like person's or, face, it'll tell you who it is yeah. if if they are what like one of your friends and are being tagged. All right, let's find out what this next story is. Is going to be the uh, the the WikiLeaks oh. leaking of twenty thousand emails that the Democratic National Committee had sent to each other. I guess these are mostly internal emails. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who is the chairperson of the DNC, is resigning over this. So, what goes on? Let's look at how the sausage is made here in this uh, Democratic Party and. And you should know Hillary Clinton has already hired her as a high-level campaign staffer. Of course. Boom. Don't worry, Debbie. Your rent will be paid. Yeah, apparently. You know, honestly, I'm not sure it's any different in Republican in the Republican National Committee. I, I mean, I think it would be interesting to see those emails had someone hacked them and to see how they were all conspiring against Trump. It'd be interesting to see also what the pay difference was between DNC chair and new high-level staffer for Hillary Clinton. I'm guessing probably a bump in pay. You think a bump in pay? I, yeah. I don't know how much. I bet you. I wonder if it's uh, if we can research that. Let's listen to Eric, and we'll continue research. I mean, these, a lot of these emails um, that they're showing now, that they're, they've revealed, are showing that the DNC had pretty much a hatred for Bernie Sanders. I mean, they hated this guy. They did not want him to win. They didn't want him running against her. They thought he was offensive. So uh, what are some of the things that that were in these emails? So I have a comprehensive list here from the Gateway Pundit. And I mean, there's just too many many to read, but I'll read off a few. So uh, DNC members killing horses for insurance money. Uh, This is a crime. So I, I ho- hopefully that will be investigated. Making fun of black people's names. Using the oh. whole no homo, no homo thing. So like, <clears throat> so what else? Conspiring. She said to, I think it was either Hillary to her or her to Hillary. It was like a throwaway thing. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll get this done. We'll get this done. Yeah, don't worry about that. Don't worry. Still love you. No homo. Like, yeah, right. Like, st- stupid thing to say, right. even for, even for a teenager to say. But so they're still saying it. You create <laughs> false Trump information and release it with Reuters. I mean, th- that that's pretty bad. I mean, you're creating false information. But I wonder if the the Republicans are doing the same thing. I guess they probably don't need to. I mean, Hillary kind of had enough of her own stuff, and why would they even need to? To to trump anything up on Trump. That doesn't even make sense. He came out with his own outlandish statements that they stand on their own. You don't need to embellish any of this stuff. It's unbelievable. So there were other emails that had uh, for these Trump rail, not rallies, but demonstrations. And they're saying that, all right, if not enough people show up, make sure we send the interns out there to show up. So, you know, it just seems weird. Why would you even get involved on that side of the on that side of the of the aisle it doesn't even make any sense why would you send your interns out to protest trump the dnc is totally on clinton's side so they need to do things to to worry about you know clinton getting uh, getting the election although 
I think they knew straight away that Clinton is going to be the nominee. I mean, there was never any guess about this. The 20% of the D- of the Democrat DNC vote goes to the superdelegates. These superdelegates were all in the tank, and I don't remember on the last show or not if I detailed this um, <clears throat> the story of this guy who was a Clinton Foundation funder. So he funded the Clinton Foundation. And then Clinton gave him a position when she was Secretary of State. And now he's a superdelegate. I mean, who, who who's he voting for? I mean, he's got all these quid pro quos going with, uh, with Hillary, as do, I'm guessing, many of the superdelegates. And you could say that Sanders could do the same thing with these people, but no, he can't. He's never held a position where he could give out a position, a job to someone who can can really benefit like that. Um, so what are some other things in here? Uh, let's see. Offering to send interns out to fake protests at RNC. Yeah. A mole working inside the Sanders campaign. Really? I mean, they just really killed Sanders wow. here. Bringing up Sanders' religion to scare the Southern voters. But you know what? It's their own club. The DNC is the, is it's like a it's like a private club. They can run things however they want to run things. As bad as it sounds, as in the tank for Hillary as it sounds, they have the right to do it. They can do whatever they want. They can do it whatever mechanism they see fit to select a nominee. They can do it. So I don't think there should be that much criticism of what they've done here. So Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who's you know I already I just said is the chairman of this DNC, she's retired. She's uh, resigning over this thing after the convention. She'll be resigning. Uh-huh. I, I don't know why the Democrats don't just own it. I mean, I think they should own it. They should just say, "Look, this is this is how we've decided to to do things. You've stolen our emails, which is illegal." And yeah, you know, we're not the most PC people in the world, but this is the way we do it. And this is the way we did it. We rigged it for Hillary and that's all that there is to it. And just leave it at that. I mean, this is, this is how the system works. And if, if you want fair, I mean, I just don't know where you find fair. I mean, it's, I don't think it's all that fair on, on any side. Although I guess on the Republican side, it is a little more fair because no one from the RNC wanted wanted Trump in there and now he is the he's no longer the presumptive nominee he is the nominee so I think the Democrats should own it and uh, let's hear what you have to say Brian and Carl Bloom all right thank you Eric excellent reporting um some interesting ideas one go ahead yeah I was gonna say the one thing he did leave out was who is presumed to have hacked it is the Russians. The Russians, yes. The Russians. Which is yeah. very interesting. Yeah, so they're saying that they're trying to kind of spin this with see, Trump is with the Russians. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, you know, cart before the horse here. Why are you guys screwing your own person? How you know if Hillary Clinton really was a forthright person, a good person. She wouldn't accept the nomination, right? Because of these revelations, it was not fair. And he says a great thing: it's their own club, and they can make mm-hmm. up the rules. And if it's not fair, whatever, whatever. But 
the optics of it are horrible with the folks that you are trying to get excited about your nominee and get out there and, and rock the boat. So if you treat them like lemmings, who it doesn't really matter who you care, I'm going to throw someone up here and I expect your blind allegiance. Well, you know, you might have trouble. That's where I think there's some, uh, I think open primaries are the only way to go. Because especially if they're publicly funded, everyone has, everyone should have the yeah, opportunity. I don't know about that. So see, here's what I, the problem here is that I don't trust Americans to vote for just the person that they want to vote for. I think a lot of them would vote against someone. Like if you could vote for. I see. You know, you, you would not vote. You, you're a, can I say you're a Democrat? No, you may not. Okay. So as a Republican, <laughs> no, nope. that, that you are, um, you know, you might green. go in and vote for the for the yeah. least strong candidate. I suppose. No, I think that's that would that would happen. I think that would happen. And the, you know what? Maybe that would be a good thing because you know, you know, this time around, had maybe I maybe we needed some help getting Trump out of there. Maybe yeah, right. Jeez. You know, had that been the case this time around, I I mean, honestly, how long ago was that? Three months ago, roughly? Uh, I don't think it was that long ago, no. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, I think I definitely would have voted against Trump. Well, who would you vote for? Rather but you for. can't actually vote against someone. You have to vote for someone. Right, so either, you know, whoever I thought had the best chance of Casey or whoever it was at the time. I think Cruz actually was... Cruz, Kasich, and um, Rubio. Uh, Rubio. Yeah. Marco. Polo. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can't help but say that. Marco. Polo. <laughs> um, neat stuff. I like it. Yeah. I, I just, I feel like our democracy has taken a serious hit this year. I've, I've been saying this for a long time. Since we were kids and first voting when we were 18, and we're way older than 18 now. The joke or the the snarky comment has always been, oh, it's the lesser of two evils. It's the lesser of two evils. Well, boy, did our chickens come home to roost. Because holy yes. crap, it is really the lesser <laughs> of two evils. Like, not good. And it's it's getting less and less clear, what which is lesser, really. I mean... I mean, they're talking about, like, Hillary's ahead because her unfavorable is not as high as right. Trump. She's only at 61% unfavorable. Trump is at 62%. You yeah. know, it's like, Hillary's winning. No, not According really. According to polls, no one trusts her, but they trust that she won't yeah, I don't know. nuke Russia. I don't know, yeah. You told me. I forgot who's going to go first. Is it me to go first and then yeah, you, you go? Yeah, you, you go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I got confused. So I wanted to talk about, last week we all had a lesson in speech writing plagiarism. Mm. And I have now gotten very good at spelling plagiarism. There was a hidden I that I never knew about. P-L-A-G-I-A. Plagiarism, yeah. Plagiarism. Well, you know, what can you say? Private school, English major. You know, I don't know how to spell. So uh, I'm sure you've all heard Melania's speech, Melania Trump's speech, the RNC convention had a lot of elements, fairly, I think, one would say lifted from... Michelle Obama's speech in 2008, I believe it was. And uh, let me first say, I don't believe for a second that 
Melania Trump wrote her own speech. Oh, no. And, and cleverly, because it's not verbatim. Right. I mean, some of it is, but it's not like super duper verbatim. St stuck it in there. I think it seems very plausible what they're saying is the speechwriters that Trump had, she, Melania, did not like. She contacted another speechwriter that Trump had used, that Donald had used before who she got along with they had a phone conversation and in that conversation she said tell me some things that you like and one of those she was probably quoting michelle obama but the speechwriter didn't know that she was quoting michelle obama and then put those words right in i think is probably it seems reasonable to me it yeah. does not excuse it uh professional speech writing as many of you know uh i do from time to time you do not you do not send anything out until you run it through a plagiarism checker because it's too easy especially when you're using a lot of a lot of cliches and that is really what what we saw here was a lot of cliches so michelle obama said barack and barack and i were raised with many of the same values and Melania says, my parents impressed upon me the values that, and now it gets word for word, that you work hard for what you want in life, that your word is your bond, and that what you say, and it goes a little off, you are going to do, you do, or you keep your promises, that you treat people with respect, verbatim, other verbatim. Because we want our children in this nation to know that there is no limit to their achievements, only your dreams and willingness to work for them, verbatim. So not good stuff. We had some interesting responses on Twitter with this Silver Spoon Art, art at Silver Spoon Art. The country will learn so much this week. No plagiarism and all support for HRC for president. A little snarky. James Clement tweeting at JMCLMNTS. News outlets ran nearly nonstop coverage of Melania Trump plagiarism, but silent on the DNC rigging presidential election, DNC leak. This was last night, so when I was putting these together. So obviously, there's lots of coverage of it now. So maybe you need to just kind of hold on for another day before you do that, James. Uh, Slate says Newt Gingrich. Colon, no one cares about Melania Trump's plagiarisms because she's stunningly attractive. <laughs> Scary. Uh, Donna Brazil, who actually took over for Debbie Wasserman Schultz, said, after being caught with lying about his wife's plagiarism, now Team Trump is just piling on lies after lies after lies. D you know, four and a half days later. Where does Donna Brazil find herself uh, taking over for the for the top there? George Takei. We know George Takei is Mr. Sulu from the original series. Right. Right. It always sounds like he's stuffed up. <laughs> I don't understand what it is. <laughs> they ran Trump's acceptance. I can't do it. They ran Trump's acceptance <laughs> speech through a plagiarism app, and it turns out most of it was lifted by Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Very funny. Well, you know, I've got, uh, I've got her uh, speechwriter's name here. It's Meredith McIver. Yes. And I don't know Meredith McIver. 
others say that she does exist. There was a conspiracy theory that she did not exist. She does. Yes. Yeah, uh, people to be I a... trust say that they have worked with her and, and whatever. Yeah, she used to be a ballerina. I don't know. Whatever. Um, so I, in doing this, I wanted to talk about just quickly plagiarism, what it is. Terrific website. So I don't get charged with plagiarism. But terrific web, uh, website, plagiarism.org, plagiarism.org, slash plagiarism 101, what is plagiarism? It is the copying and borrowing. <clears throat> they explain that those terms mask the serious nature of plagiarism. What they mean here is sometimes it is considered just copying something else or borrowing from someone else without crediting it. And it's much more serious than that. According to the, and I'm reading now from their website, according to the Merriam-Webster online dictionary, plagiarism means to steal and pass off the ideas as your own, to use without crediting the source, to commit literary theft, and to present as new and original idea. So that gives us a general parameter about it, but what I think is what is scary to me is sometimes even failing to put proper quotation marks, in other words, not knowing grammar, can be seen as plagiarism. Then it gets a little sticky. There's this thing called fair use. Do you know about fair use? I'm familiar with the term, but not. So fair use would be, like I'm using here, this would be fair use. Plagiarism.org is saying, uh, here's some stuff about plagiarism, and I, now on a podcast, am talking about it. I am crediting them, of course, and sometimes I am reading directly from their website. I'm going to try to tell you when I do that. But that would be considered fair use because it is sort of common knowledge. These are com I'm just defining things. Right, right. They went through the extra effort. They're even called plagiarism.org, but they went through the extra effort of saying, according to Merriam-Webster online dictionary, plagiarism is blah, 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 blah. Right. So that's very good, but that's... Fair use. If I take a news article and I, I take the first two paragraphs of a news article, post it on my blog, cite it, and then add commentary afterwards, that's fair use. I don't need someone's permission to do that right. as long as I cite them. But if I take that stuff and I don't give credit, then it's plagiarism. Media is tough. Uh, we go through, we spend a lot of money every year, thousands of dollars every year on getting uh, proper images for our website. So every every time we do a show, we have an image that goes up. I haven't selected it, so I don't know what today's is. But that is something that I am allowed to use, and I buy it through, what do I buy it through? Shutterstock.com. Little plug for Shutterstock. But, the, and my first initial purchase of Shutterstock, I didn't quite understand everything, and they actually contacted me and said, I'm not sure you have the right the right level of account here. I think you 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 owe us more money is really what they were saying. Right. Because you're doing something illegal. They were very nice about it because they know that my concern is really getting images up and all that kind of stuff. And I was good faith. I was paying for stuff, but the level that I was doing it didn't allow me to put it on right. all the different websites in our network. Gotcha. So they have, you know, like they do Google searches and checks because that's the business they're in. And they very politely said, you're not doing this right. Please give us more money. And so I listed out everything that was there, and I listed out all the different websites 
whether it be CT News Junkie or uh, a couple of the other sites or on the horn. And I said, this is where these images are going to go. They said, great, it's going to be this amount of money per year and you get a 10% discount and blah, blah, blah. And so now I'm paying that. So media is very hard to figure out. Podcasts are will never win because there's not enough money in podcasts to take someone to court. Even, you know, even Leo Laporte is going to be like, eh, whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm not really that interested. But we try not to do it. Uh, revisualizing, remixing, all sorts of neat stuff. What other, just general copyright. I, at the end of this show, always say copyright 2016, production of Hartford Online Radio Network. You don't have to cite things that are common knowledge, like two plus two is four. I don't have to find the first person that ever found that. Or eggs have protein. I can say that without finding a source for it. Facts, you have to know that there are facts. Now, this is different from journalism. Journalism has to have multiple sources to confirm that. But if you have one source, that's considered good enough because you're quoting that source. According to this person, this has happened. If you don't, you know, journalists want to make sure that they get the story right, not just that they're out of danger of plagiarism. Hopefully. Right. Uh, intellectual property is way too hard of a conversation. Yeah, to I was going to say that. journalistic integrity goes, I mean, they hold the bar much higher than just plagiarism. It's Right. Yeah. I had some fun examples of it, but uh, I'm not going to. Oh, give us one. Fun. Just give us one. I really can't because I got to be connected to the internet on this on this little device here. Oh, all right. I only put in the uh, I only put in the links. I'm using a new a new software package on my uh, a new app on my iPad called Scrivener to do the show. Yeah, that looks. And intriguing. I'm I'm really I'm really liking it, but it's my first time using it, so I'm kind of bopping. You know, around. as as someone who's still stuck in longhand, I, I I still prefer it. That seems like that might might sway me back over to the digital side. I do the longhand stuff. Boy, this is off topic. I do the longhand stuff because I like to. I think you and I are the same. We're visual learners. Yes. And I like to be able to just draw a picture or yeah. something or or boxes of different words in, in certain areas. And I get like a idea and a flow and a story from that. And then I go and I and I write the thing, uh, whatever it is. This is very similar to that where <laughs> this is turning into an ad for these guys. <laughs> There's a little research bucket that you can put absolutely anything in, whether it is you just want to type some stuff or you have an image that you want to um, grab or audio or video file. You just plop it right down in there, similar to like Evernote or something like that. But it looks even easier to use than Evernote. Yeah. And it's not inexpensive, by the way. I I bought this. I don't remember how much this was. It was something like $20 or $30. Oh, okay. But what I really liked was it could link to a desktop app for Scrivener oh, that I have in my laptop nice. okay. at, uh, at the office. That was 44 bucks, 45 bucks. Ooh, I had to buy them both. Huh. But they both sync to Dropbox. Okay. So I, you know, I buy the, you know, the $10 a month Dropbox thing. You get a terabyte of storage. And, and that's great. That's really good. And it syncs quick. I did a test on it. It synced so quick, I thought I had done something wrong. <laughs> like it was, it was like a step ahead of me. A little too quick. I went like, all right, now let me see if this, it, it was already there. It's intuitive. Yeah. I was, you know, I was going to like refresh something and it was already there. So Scrivener, <laughs> really great. Uh, so far, better than Evernote. Evernote, 
bothered me because it did not sync properly and stuff got lost. Yeah, initially I was like, oh, great. It's better than Apple Notes, but um, limitations quickly became apparent. So I would say go on to plagiarism.org and check this out, which you can also do. And I think they have one there too, but you can look up any one of these sites You know, with the power of Google now. Uh, put in phrases if you're looking for prevention and put in phrases or put in the whole damn thing that, that you're working on. Throw it in there and it will give you little keys to look at, little uh, little red flags saying this might be plagiarism, this is definitely plagiarism. But also this website is just terrific. Preventing plagiarism while writing, planning out your paper, making sure this is a huge one. This And I think this is what happened to Melania. You know, make sure that, you know, when we're writing little notes to ourselves if I'm reading it in, in a book, if I'm writing a speech for someone and I read something in a book, uh, like a Teddy Roosevelt quote, and I write it down, I got to remember to write down on my note where the hell I got that and who and who said it. Otherwise, it becomes this nebulous thing. And we're like, oh, yeah, boy, I wrote that. That's great. But suddenly, it's mine. And <laughs> right. like I'm plagiarizing my own intentions right. at that point. It's very scary. Uh, take effective notes. They say that. Yeah. Um, when in doubt, cite. <coughs> Make it clear who said it. Learn how to paraphrase. That can get a little sticky, too. Um, and analyze and evaluate your sources to how good they are and all that kind of stuff. I grew up doing MLA citing um, right up until um, I went to grad school and I had to use APA. Right. I don't remember what... Did you just do MLA? We do MLA in high school? I don't even remember. Yeah, I think that's where it was first introduced. Okay. Um, because it, I had that all through... Uh, when I, I went to Fairfield, I had that all through Fairfield. Yeah, and then APA for like social sciences... Yeah, and I guess that's why, you know, that's really what I did. Yeah, and what's the other one? <sighs> oh, there's another one too. Oh, I think there's a few other ones. All right. But the, yeah, the MLA, I think, is the standard. Uh, Well, I think APA in the real world is the standard. Oh, really? Yeah, I think MLA is like, unless you are, you know, writing an academic paper on Elizabethan history or something like that. Oh, okay. It's more, uh, I, I look at it this way. MLA is Harvard. APA is Stanford. <laughs> I don't know why I think of it that way. <laughs> and it's probably not a very good way to think of it. Well, that's going to bother me now. What is the other one? I don't know. I'll look it up while yeah. you do it. Okay, you do that. If you have thoughts, you can uh, catch me on Twitter, at OnTheHorn500. But now, Carl Bloom, Judge Carl Bloom is, oh, by the way, we have to explain. When I call him Judge Carl Bloom, I am just using, I'm giving him a fake honorific. I pointed out something last week about we were not doctors. Right. And right. so I'll do this. And then someone got upset with me, was like, yeah, he's not a judge either. And I'm like, eh, well, all right. No, you're right. He's not a judge. You are not a judge. You're not a lawyer. You didn't go to well, law I'm, school. I'm a judge in the court of popular opinion. He's, that's right. That's right. He has a, uh, a horn doctorate. I'm like Judge Dredd, but way nicer. <laughs> but way cooler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way friendlier. So, yeah. So, I, so we, we just have fun with that. Sometimes he calls me captain. I'm not a captain. Well, captain, my captain. All right. So, go ahead. Tell us about Trump non-foreign so, policy. So, yeah, I set out to, uh, to do a bit about uh, his lack of a foreign policy, actually. There's a, there's a, there's a funny way of saying this, too. Non-foreign policy would be like, dude, 
Those aren't foreigners. Those are American citizens. You can't throw out the Muslims. They're American citizens. Oh, it's my foreign policy. It's non-foreign policy. It's domestic policy. All right, go ahead. Oh, yeah, he gets confused on so many points. But, uh, yeah, I was reading uh, the interview that he, uh, David E. Sanger and uh, Maggie Haberman from the New York Times conducted, uh, was it last week? The twenty. I think it was on the 21st. Yeah, just last week. Yeah, yeah and uh, boy, as difficult as it is to uh, listen to him speak, it is even more difficult to read the transcripts. I mean, redundant. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Like I can, I can get non sequiturs, and wow. But what he was uh, essentially getting at was that, you know, the the foreign policy is America first, which he says, quote, brand new, very modern term, end quote. Obviously, not the case. I mean, this was around, this was what uh, the isolationists were referring or were rallying around before uh, World War II to keep us, uh, keep us out of foreign entanglements. So his, his stance is basically like, you know, pay up or you're out on your own as far as our alliances go. Right. Pay um, your fair share. Yeah. He's, he went on at great length that, you know, na- member nations of NATO you know, with massive wealth, aren't contributing their fair share. Yeah. Which, and you know, you just have to do a very rudimentary fact check and find that that's not the case. That's not the case? No. I don't no, really know how NATO works. Well, your member nations are supposed to uh, contribute 2% of their, I think it's their GDP. Okay. Or something like that. Some yeah. number like that. Yeah. And now, can they finagle that number though? Well. Because they had to report it to somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean. Because, you know, I'm supposed to pay 35% of my gross income but then i have the adjusted gross income and blah 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 blah. well you know it's it's a i think it's like one of those uh suggested donations they're not i mean it's not a condition of their membership is the point it's an alliance it's a treaty we are bound by that and he seems to think that oh well you know if uh if they're not paying up then uh you know forget about it yeah Yeah. we're gonna walk you know that's what he says over and over again. Why don't you come over here, you know? It's for protection. Uh, yeah. And he said this multiple times. Like, you always have to be prepared to walk. It's like, that's really... It's in my book. It's yeah. part of the deal. <laughs> yeah, it was ghostwritten by uh, my cousin Vinny. Uh, there was an interesting thing about that, actually. Not my cousin Vinny. Yeah, the, <laughs> the ghostwriter? Oh, yeah. The there was... art of the deal. Let's see who the guy's name was. Tony Schwartz. Tony Schwartz. So this is interesting how it says Donald Trump with Tony Schwartz. Now, look, fine. People have ghostwriters. Let's just get over that, all right? So there's a couple way to, of, of ways of doing this. If you are Donald Trump with Tony Schwartz, you usually will just get... Look, there's three ways to do it. It's by The Art of the Deal by Donald Trump. And Tony is not mentioned and gets no royalty and you get a big lump sum and thank you very yeah, that, much. Yeah, that's a true ghostwriter. Right. right. Now, that's fine. The other way to do it is you get a little piece of the action, Tony Schwartz, who now is going around saying, all of this, the art of the deal stuff, this was all me. I wrote the whole thing. Trump didn't do anything. But if you are labeled as with in the title... You are just helping with the mechanics of actually being a writer, not necessarily with the message. Right. Which means 
that if he really was, and but the really weird thing is that he Tony Schwartz got fifty percent royalties. He got shared royalties with uh, Donald Trump on this book, which is bizarre. If you got fifty percent royalties and you're only with, you should be and because well, yeah. you have a, a, you had a real influence on what the topics were and how to, you know, how to formulate the book, not just how to actually do the mechanics of the writing. So why would he? It's a function of Trump's ego, no doubt. No, but I see, I think he kind of screwed up the deal then. Because why would you give 50% but only a with? If it's a 50%, you need to be an and. You need to be an and. It doesn't help Trump to be a with, and it really doesn't help Tony to be a with. He wants to be an and because that means you were a real you were a real part of this so the book tells us that tony you don't know anything about what's in this book you just were good at you know writing gerundips for donald trump i wonder i wonder what the truth of the matter i mean I i'm sure there's young donald trump looks in this book by yeah, the way. right my lord <laughs> his hair doesn't really look that bad there no all right go ahead Dra- sorry draft I just dodging well suited him well yeah <laughs> so uh yeah. So in terms of the uh, the NATO paying their fair share, that is actually the ones that are paying that have been under the two percent threshold are ratcheting up their defense budgets quite a bit in response to Russia's right you know aggression. Sure. So you know, no doubt he's going to take credit for that. But the fact of the matter is, is that NATO is even more vital now than it was before Putin started his uh, Soviet-style expansion. Or German-style expansion, you could probably say. Yeah, but it's Russia, so I call Soviet. Okay, very good. You know. So, <clears throat> You're so old school. Well, you know, call I did Soviets. grow up in the Cold War. And that's what just blows me away by all his f- foreign policy pronouncements. It's like he didn't experience the same Cold War that we all did like you know russia hey you know let's uh let's be let's be friends let's just get along you know like whatever he wants to do let him do it and well the cold war for us i think for our generation we're in our 40s well it wasn't that bad i think for the folks maybe 50s and 60s it was much more like well yeah pins and needles people contemporary to donald trump right and i guess where his his foreign policy is really uh, resonating with is the younger people who don't see a need for all this foreign uh, involvement and troop deployments. That's interesting because I think that's geographic because if you look at the Brexit, mm. all the young people wanted to stay right. and all the old people wanted to leave. And in this country, it's get the hell out. You know, what the hell did I fight for? Right. That's weird. Ugh. He said, uh, if we pulled out of Korea, quote, maybe you would have had a unified Korea, unquote. Yeah. No doubt. Oh, well, no shit. doubt about it. Well, yeah. <laughs> maybe he's, you'd have a unified Korea. I, I, yes, maybe. And I know he's not thinking uh, he's not thinking Kim Dynasty. Yeah. No, he's thinking like, oh, things would have just, you know, worked themselves out. You know, I think he's got these rose-colored glasses that, you know, the world revolves around trade and profits and that, you know, if... 
I mean, to a certain extent. I agree I that that, that seems to be the one thing he's missing. You know, the big lesson from the Gulf War where we got Saddam, Gulf War Two, right when W went in. Whereas you know, we steamrolled in there. We, everyone was sort of shocked that we did so well. We were in Baghdad and we took the city. We were like, huh, okay, that was great. That was surprisingly good. And then they they didn't have parades for us and stuff. Like right. it wasn't like liberating France. It wasn't like that. <laughs> not at all. It, like, there's not the mentality right. there. So I wonder, is there a little bit of that in Donald Trump that he doesn't realize that these are very different kind of people in the way they think, the way they have lived for generations they don't get this uh the free market will you know work your ass off and uh you know try to make a lot of dough i i just i don't think those people are ready for full-blown democracy right. quite honestly no this is one of the not. things i always like about uh, the way china is doing things is that china is moving toward capitalism but still very dictatorial right. you know they're still very communist in, in the bad sense communist rule because you know what i think they know we can't just shock the system like this we need to yeah. slowly move things forward and i think that was one of the great failings of uh george w bush um in that he thought he could just bring american democracy to every corner of the world and people would just embrace it because who wouldn't i mean it's the greatest thing in the world yeah but you and can't, i think that's yeah. where the i think that's also a failure of Americans is that they think that, you know, yes, freedom is very special here. We love it. And we would love it for everyone else in the world. But you can't just shock the system. Like, it's not going to take hold. You have to have people willing to say, I want to fight and die for this if necessary, because I believe that women should be allowed to go to school and drive cars. I believe that Children should be able to choose their own future and go to college and be whatever the heck they want to be. It's not like that over there. It yeah. is, this is your station in life, and if you're lucky, we'll keep you alive. Right. You know, that's the reality over there, and I don't think we quite get the significance of that in doing all this nation building. Right. And then you take the case in Nicaragua. They democratically elect a communist uh, ruler, then that's... That's a different kind of democracy, but it's still democracy. It's, yeah. It's democratically elected communist government. Yeah. I mean, if that's what the people want, we have, we can't, I mean, who are we? I mean, yeah. we're not yeah. the policemen. And I guess that's, that's the message that's kind of resonating with a lot of younger people too. It's like, we're, yeah, we're done being the policemen of the world. The trouble is that we are elevating Trump's foreign policy discussions way too much. Cause I'd love to have a discussion with you about like, you know, is it in our best interest to be the policeman of the world? Oh. Doesn't someone need to do it? And we do have a vested interest in world peace. And if we see hot spots, you know, we could have a whole discussion on that. Oh, sure. But again, we are elevating <laughs> the discussion about Trump's non-foreign policy. He needs to have that discussion with people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I really look forward to this uh, coming up in the debate. I mean, Can I, you, I think this it's is really going to be a good de- yeah. You know, no. it's not going to be a good debate. And here's why. It's not going to be Trump's fault. It's not going to be Hillary's fault. It is going to be the fault of the moderators who now are not moderating a debate, but 
playing the look at me game. Look at me game. I get to ask these questions of these people. Aren't I aren't I important? Aren't I an important journalist? I think they, they just need to ask John Stewart to to do it. I think that would be awesome. Because he would, would be. he wouldn't take I don't think he'd play favorites. There was rumor that he was going to come back with HBO and do a special election show, and I haven't seen anything about that. You know, yeah. I wonder if it's in the works. He's waiting for the hey, primaries. We've got a few months to go. Yeah. Who knows? I would like that very much. That's a great idea. You know? Yeah. All right. I mean, what's so, next? Sorry. So, yeah, no, that was uh, that was the, the crux of it. Um, but I found that it was interesting. And, in, you know, he wants to bring all the troops home and this and that. And in the case of uh, our troops deployed in Japan, it actually costs us less because Japan contributes so much of their such a large the lion's share of housing and feeding them that it would cost us more money to bring them home interesting which is, yeah it is quite interesting but the thought that we can just pull out of south korea and i saw an interesting headline by the way just to railroad your story again. yeah sure it's not up on the screen <laughs> it's about uh japan i think it's 15 people killed with a knife oh, attack yeah, or something yeah and the headline was is no corner of the world safe from terrorism god you know uh, this is my this is my theory is that this stuff has been going on all along and now with the prevalence of cell phones and twitter we're just learning about it far more like i think cops have probably been killing unarmed black men since the 18th century but it's only been recently that we've been catching them red-handed Interesting. So, I mean, yeah, it could be. I think Black Lives Matter now that we've got cell phones. I guess. Yes, they do. The advent of the cell phone. You know what else I love? I love Chrome <laughs> because you have this thing called reopen closed tab. Oh, I, I never realized that. Oh, <laughs> close the script. <laughs> that was fun. Oh boy. All so, right. so it's like an undo. It really is. It's like an undo. Like, Very oops. nice. I mean, now that, is a, on the that is a life hack. Right that's there. a life hack right there. Remember those life hacks? Oh, control geez. tab. I can go. See, that's what I should have oh, done. Wow. I should have done control tab. Ah. I learned that last week. Yeah. So this this is going to be the, my last Trump story for a while because it just took it took it out of me. It is. Yeah. I am kind of like, Ugh, <sighs> God, politics. Let's do way more yeah. interesting stuff. <laughs> right. I want to go over to the. Have, do you ever listen to the podcast uh, Stuff You Should Know? I've heard it. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's just absolutely, you never know what they're going to talk about. And as long as it's not like uh, poison ivy or bugs, I really enjoy listening to it. You know, on my recent uh, trip out to California, I was uh, listening to a lot of uh, This American Life. Oh, God, I hate that. You you know. It is so long and boring. Some are better than others, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But still, I just don't. I, I mean- it probably took me eight shows to get over Ira Glass's voice. Like it was just yeah. a little, it was a yeah. little nasally. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Thank you very much. Hey, if you guys want to be, this is interactive, my good man. So if you guys want to uh, discuss stuff, facebook.com slash on the horn 500, or just catch us on Twitter. I am at on the horn 500. Carl G. Bloom tweets at Yesbjorn McGee, E-S-B-J-O-R-N-M-C-G-E-E. <laughs> and uh, Eric the Blazman Blazinski tweets at Blazman. 
On the Horn is a production of the Hartford Online Radio Network, LLC, copyright 2016. Don't steal our stuff and plagiarize. All rights reserved. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>